0: In Jack City, Wesley Snipes plays Nino Brown, a drug-dealing kingpin who is determined to control all of New York by any means necessary. He's keeping his close friends at the top, but at this level of power, you never know who you can trust. Maybe someone is working with the cops who are aggressively working to take Nino and his whole operation down. Screenplay by Thomas Lee Wright and Barry Michael Cooper, directed by Mario Van Peebles, and debuting at the Sundance Film Festival on January 17, 1991. Have you seen New Jack City before?
1: Yes, I have. I have not. Oh, really?
0: Yeah. There's a there's a lot of movies from this, you know, era that I'm I'm missing out on, I think. <laughs> so this was a this is a fresh one. I was excited to, to watch it.
1: Oh, wow, okay.
0: <laughs> I'd seen um, Boys in the Hood, which I think I think there's some comparison warranted between the two. Yeah. Um but I haven't seen that for like 20 years so i'm excited to you know compare, compare. again once once yeah, we get into like that yeah it's
1: like la versus new york crime i guess
0: yeah they both sort of deal with uh, the street life mentality and, and also like deal drugs, with like some of the gangs and stuff yeah, and yeah some of the larger social issues that are part of that you know the the cause and effect side of things both get into that a bit more um but yeah i never never seen this It was interesting. (laughs) A lot of it is stuff that I felt like I had seen before, and I don't know if that's because this, in essence, set the bar, or basically became the template for some of these future movies that came after it.
1: Like, gangster-type movies. Yes. Yeah.
0: Yeah, because they're, I mean, in black cinema, there are a lot of movies that take a lot of these tropes mm-hmm. and don't do them as well as they're done oh. in New Jack City, oh, okay. right? You know, there's there's a lot of um, it leans a lot more towards. Um, I don't know how to really phrase it because I don't want to say black exploitation because that's not really accurate, but it's just. Um, they take the they take all the substance out of it there's a lot of derivative work let's just say it that way I guess maybe is the the best way to say it um, but there's also some really good ones like like what we saw with like juice yeah in 1992 Two,
1: like a year later
0: Um. honestly I think juice is better than New Jack City
1: yeah I feel like because I mean I haven't seen this since I was like a teenager so it's been maybe 25 years since i've seen this movie but we yeah we watched juice recently and that movie is more succinct i guess just like it's a good it's like a perfect story
0: yeah and i think it probably deals with the relationships and the character development a bit more yeah you you
1: feel for each character in that movie yeah, I think this wasn't... one to me, when I was watching, it was a little bit like soap opera y. Right. And I was kind of. I shouldn't really laugh, but I was kind of laughing at certain. Mostly like the Chris Rock stuff. Even though he wasn't meant to be. F- I mean, there's parts where.
0: There's a couple scenes where he's meant to be funny. Meant to most be funny. The time he's not. But when yeah. he
1: was like going into rehab like those scenes where he's like struggling with drugs and the faces he was making mm-hmm. like i don't know i was kind of laughing at that even though it was meant to be serious
0: yeah it could be it can be difficult when you have someone who's known for comedy comedy and right. at this point he to,
1: had... it made me feel like he was like going way over the top trying to be serious like he was going over the top with his acting.
0: Yeah, and that could be true. You know, I don't think he had really done too many, if any, dramatic roles at this point. He was mostly known for like stand up yeah, and like he had done SNL. a couple of small little things mm-hmm. and then obviously some SNL. Um, but anytime you see someone that you know for comedy in a dramatic role, it kind of messes with your mind a little bit in that way. So I certainly understand that i think what hurts the movie a bit more for me or at least compared to juice like i was saying before is like with like tupac's character mm-hmm. you see a character arc develop like you you see some sort of um relationships between the people yeah here it's you mostly know, just told it's to like
1: you. you know four best friends and they all kind of like it's like a coming of age but also like friends growing apart Mostly due to gang life and gang life and power struggles.
0: Yeah, mistrust that comes with having money. But this
1: we don't see that because it's like these people are already established as being like drug lords, and we don't see like their how they became that way.
0: Yeah, we don't see how they become that way. Yeah, exactly. They're just
1: already successful at being like these kingpins in the drug trade and
0: whatever Nino Brown starts off as a pure villain and he stays right. a pure villain throughout the entire thing right he's he is like evil incarnate in a sense like he has no redeeming factors or qualities to him yeah you're first introduced to him through an you know a, a aerial shot that's you know going through the city and then yeah on this bridge and someone's being hung over the bridge by uh you know bill nunn and then wesley snipes comes in and basically says you shouldn't have messed with me and like see you wouldn't want to be you yeah and then which, he <laughs> and then he gets, gets dumped, dropped, the, dumped into the river dumped in the water
1: and um, that you know that's, so that's like that's the our th- introduction to and the then i mean thing. that's i mean to me i'm like okay the action's starting immediately yeah.
0: <laughs> which is fine i mean and the action does come and go it's not really an action movie but it definitely does have. but some like the drama
1: the dramatics i guess it's right. just like beginning yeah it, it, it doesn't like start with i don't know like a introduction story about i mean there i think in the beginning when they're showing the city shots there is you know like script that says this is purely fictional but you know there are people like this
0: that's at the very end. Oh, at the very end. Yeah, at the okay. very end they have that little I thing. remember like, seeing that. While Nino that. Brown is fictional, the, there are Nino there Browns are in every city yeah, in America, yeah. basically. Okay. Yeah, okay.
1: Because I remember seeing a city shot and then that. No, it, um, Okay, that was at the end. Yeah, in the <laughs> beginning
0: it's uh, it's the Queen Latifah song that kind of comes and goes throughout the movie. Right. Um, and then also... Uh, it
1: goes into ice Like a radio
0: report song, thing that's yeah. playing as the, as the aerial shots are happening. Basically talking about how Jobs are down, income inequality is up and crimes are up across the city and it's like talking about all those different like social issues that are contributing to the drug culture um, in 1986 which is when this starts and then i think most of the movie takes place in 89 um, but that's you know the, the very beginning before they take over the apartment complex as 86 and then after they're established that's in 1989 like, mm-hmm. so
1: yeah the timing in this movie
0: era is talked about a little bit
1: yeah the timing in this movie kind of threw me off it seemed like they accelerated
0: they do things yeah there's a couple montages uh, because yeah the first part is them talking about this new thing crack rock right right um you know so from like 1986 or so was like when things are shifting from cocaine to crack rock um and then they talk about how they're going to take over this apartment complex, the Carters, the Carter apartments. And then that happens within two minutes after they talk about it. Like it's right. just like a quick little montage of a couple shootouts. Um and
1: then all of a sudden they're you know, established and they have this whole like system. whole massive
0: operation and then you see nineteen eighty nine at the bottom. Of the yeah, screen.
1: so it took them three years.
0: Right, but it's you know, virtually three seconds of Right airtime um and then yeah also Pookie played by Chris Rock him getting clean
1: right that, uh, to
0: become an undercover uh, that I bald, mean him that be- also is a pretty quick transition because I
1: mean he yeah the well you have Ice-T as Scotty Appleton who's like a detective he's like an undercover cop mm-hmm. and he's kind of he knows about well we don't know about the relationship like why Ice-T is doing this until like the end
0: we know he's a cop we know he's a cop but he has like yeah yeah, but he has like
1: this personal vendetta I guess against Nino Brown but we don't know until like near the end of the movie why and it's because like Scotty Appleton's mother was murdered by Nino or like Nino's gang at some point point.
0: Right, but I don't think even he knew that at the time. He just knew that some random drug dealer or someone on drugs came up...
1: And killed mugged, his mom.
0: Mugged and killed his mom without like, even actually taking anything. Just ran off, didn't steal anything, just completely pointless killing. And so that's why he was, like, so mad at the drug culture and people who yeah, use like, hate, drugs. Yeah, he's like,
1: I'm anti-drug and blah, blah, because blah. Because
0: it causes this type of destruction. Yeah. And then, yeah, later when when he XT is becomes the undercover person, <laughs> right, and infiltrates Nino's organization and whatnot, like he Nino finds basically out. Basically, says, yeah, I, I had to do this hit when I was first joining up with the this gang, and one of the first things I had to do was just kill, kill a him. random person, and right. This...
1: That's the person that he randomly killed yeah. was his mom.
0: So of course, yes. <laughs>
1: And then we don't, but we don't find that out until, like, near the end. Yeah, we find much.
0: it, yeah, we find it out when Ice-T finds it out.
1: Yeah, yeah. which is the latter half of the movie.
0: <laughs> right, but, I mean, in general, I mean, you don't right. have to have a personal vendetta if you're I, supposed to be a cop I guess, yeah, Ice-T is just, like, anti-drugs, and, and... and he's <laughs> so. like,
1: I'm gonna eradicate drugs and become this police detective. But we don't know when his mom was killed, like, was he a kid or yeah we don't teenager or 20 year old but But it was because of that
0: that's why he became
1: ice t became a cop
0: yeah and so yeah early on um or
1: yes god he's
0: he's working on busting pookie who's working as a drug dealer Mm -hmm. um they work out some sort of a deal uh ice t shows him the money in the bag and then chris rock's character pookie he just uh basically punches him and steals the money without giving any sort of drugs or anything and runs off and then it starts off with a, a chase sequence where Pookie gets onto a bike and then um, Ice-T's running after him across the city and through parks and eventually like shoots him in the ankle. Yeah. Um, and it becomes like a big old scene. And I think, it, I think that early section is probably one of the most effective ones in the movie for me because one you get a really good vibe of the city like you know you get to you see all these different locations within it just feels very alive and frantic and the filmmaking is very early 90s oh, <laughs> Mario Van yeah. people's uh, i don't know if he was influenced by some of the other people around him but yeah canted angles everywhere as many aerial shots is like more about like the dynamics of the visuals rather than you know necessarily the substance of the frame um Oh, that kind of stuff is happening here. Uh, just trying to make things as, as cool-looking as possible. Right. And then you have... I think also just... When he finally catches up with Pookie after shooting him... And, like, the money goes flying. And you see everybody, like, coming in to, like, snatch the money and run away mm-hmm. as well. And then you have, like, the cops. He's an undercover cop, but you have the actual...
1: The actual cops
0: like, that were... actual dressed cops yes. coming in. Also trying to retain Ice-T. Like, Ice-T. And <laughs> Ice-T's
1: like, no, I'm a cop. <laughs> I'm also a
0: cop. And you have all these other people just kind of, like, watching. And so I think, you know, that's not really, like, brought up again. But, you know, just that little acknowledgement that, yeah, Ice-T would also be potentially in trouble or, you know, right. considered a threat in these situations. Like which kind of d- makes sense because d- he know, has d- a d- gun d- and he's d- on top of somebody. Right. He's not yeah. in cop clothes. And mm-hmm. not every cop knows every other cop. But, you know, still just the, the general... The vibe of it I thought was very effective with that. So but yeah. yeah. <laughs> <to Pookie laughs> but, basically.
1: yeah, the whole thing with Pookie trying to get clean, that was like 10 to 15 minutes. But that sh- should have, that was probably like a span of maybe like a year. I don't, I mean.
0: I really don't know. Yeah.
1: I mean, to, for him, cause, I mean, Ice T, you know, takes him in. And, you know, wants him to be, like, an informant, just asking him all these questions. But he's like, first you gotta get clean. And he kind of locks him in his, like, his own apartment? Or an apartment?
0: Well, it's kind of weird, because they show she- scenes of him, like, trying to exercise in Ice-T's apartment, with, like, Judd Nelson, who's also partner- yeah now partnered up with Ice-T, which is a whole other thing that we can talk about in a second. Right. Um, but then they also show him in this rehab facility, going to these meetings and like you know, huddled in that bed like shaking. Yeah, and stuff the, like I was that. like
1: was that Ice T's place or I don't his, think so. his own? I think that like was a the place... rehab bed.
0: Oh, okay. You know where where was supposed to be going to these? Meetings I thought he
1: was going to like rehab in like the basement of you know like a church or like in the police department itself because that's kind of like uh, I don't, I don't think know. That's... Oh, so it was, like, an actual rehab
0: Yeah, I think just a couple cops were, like, you know, forcing him through the door that first time. Yeah, because... And they signed him up, and then he got dragged away.
1: And then there were times where... I guess he was at a rehab place, because there were times where, you know, he's in the room, and people are talking about their experiences. He gets up and leaves, and, you know, the sponsor or whoever was talking was Mm -hmm. like, you know, if you leave, you know you yeah, may never come back yeah and, it's not
0: a revolving door you know? right um uh, kelly but Joe then he just leave people yeah this is like her yeah this is like her fourth, fourth time, time yeah. this year <laughs> that might be the last i don't remember yeah. anymore. um so yeah that, that was an interesting sequence
1: but it, it just shows so that whole sequence of Chris Rock or Pookie trying to become clean. And then he eventually is clean. And then he's like, yeah, I want to help you guys out.
0: Right. Yeah, he's like, I
1: think I'm ready and I want to help you guys out.
0: Yeah, and, and he had a he had the sense that he was going to be asked or, you know, at least offered a job if he got clean because when he was in line as a drug addict for the turkey dinner thing that they did outside. Yeah, that Nino's um, Nino gang. Getting... Yeah. He basically said as much, and so he took it as fact. Yeah. So, when he's getting like his full turkey <laughs> dumped onto his plate, which I think was supposed to be partly com- comedic until the next scene where he's, you know, with with the other addict in the, mm-hmm. in the random building. Um, yes, yeah, so he basically says, "Yeah, if you get clean, then you know, let me know. I'll get you a job." So, so that's yeah, what happens.
1: He got clean, but. You know, he's there as an informant to help. You know the cops.
0: Um, and there's several cops involved, so we should say that Ice T is mm-hmm. not the only one. Yeah. Right. Um, as I mentioned before, we have Judd Nelson, who's there to be sort of the
1: like he was just like his partner in this to partner, investigation. He like doesn't he would was... do
0: anything. Except for except for the very end when he uh cracks the safe. And helps with, like, and defusing helps, the
1: bomb. Yeah, yeah he helps diffuse <laughs> that bomb. There's a lot of weird soap <laughs> opera. stuff. Yeah, that's, that's what I was on. saying. Like, this is kind of over the top with things. Yeah, he's just kind of... Well, I mean, he's kind of there, pulled in by the other... Well, you have Park, who's Russell Wong. Yeah. And then you have Mario Van Troy Peebles, Lug who's... And yeah. Die. And you have Mario Van Peebles, who's, like, the leader of this... Investigation against Nino Brown, and he pulls in you know Ice T, Scotty, Judd Nelson, who's Nick Peretti. Nick Peretti. like he forces them all to work together.
0: Yeah. So yeah, Mario Van Peebles plays like Stone, and Ice T's Will, because
1: you know he's I kind know. of like I think Scotty was like sort of secretly doing this police detective stuff for. Mario Van Peeble's character without, you know, the other cops and his whatever beat or whatever, knowing about it. There's, there's like a lot of... Like, he pulled him in.
0: There, there's a lot of stuff that just does not make sense in terms of how the investigation and, and whatnot is structured and how yeah. you know, it's all involved. Um, so, yeah, it's really tough to know what Ice-T was supposed to do if it was just, like, him normal you know, walking the beats and then trying to find undercover activities to infiltrate or whatever, or if you had actual assignments, um, before this. But it seems like he was always basically chasing Nino Brown to some degree, and then uh Stone and Park, uh, you know, Peoples and, and Wong, they bring those two together to do some sort of like official undercover mm-hmm. operation where they have a room with, you know, all the, the the gadgets that you would expect to see and you have the cameras on the belt buckle that yeah, they have, have Pookie wear and Park stuff Park is like the that.
1: one who's like bringing in all this technology you know like a tiny camera and yeah you know the wire <laughs> underneath his shirt
0: yeah all that all that fun but stuff But isn't that
1: like typical stuff that police detectives have already I don't know for like stuff like this and all like for criminal thing. well yeah but i'm saying like it's it made it seem as if park was the police officer that like invented these things
0: no i think he was just there to help with. <laughs> okay the, yeah, he was just like, there because it's just, just yeah the dress supervisor he was just another body to
1: before. do like all the tech stuff yeah, he was I mean, the tech like, guy. They
0: also made it seem like Judd Nelson was supposed to be the tech guy because he was like tinkering with shit. and Like, like again, he, defu- he, he was the bomb, bomb diffuser guy. That was on Pookie uh, once he got caught. Um, and then he cracked this. So, I mean, who knows? Like I said, nothing is really fully set up. And that's, you know, why Juice is better. Um, mm. <laughs> so, it, it, it's such a weird thing. And, and, and the scenes move so fast, too. And the dialogue isn't really fleshed out in such a great way. Uh, it's mostly just say enough words to get the point across and move on to the next thing. There's not really any dynamicism here. There's no, um, there's no depth to anybody in this movie. They try to give some to Pookie. They try to give a little bit to Ice-T with that whole mother story. But other than that, it's just, you know, here's, this, here's a collection of events that we'll get through mm-hmm. <laughs> to tell this, this story that feels a little bit basic, but possibly just because we've seen it so many times since then. I think also what hurts the movie to me is that one of, one of the things that really benefited it was that it was a pretty low-budget affair. It was about $8 million. Um, as we said, it premiered at Sundance. Uh, Mario Van Peebles obviously is the son of Melvin, who is known for you know low budget um, movies, and you know we'll get into more of Melvin's legacy um, later on because he's in 1991's True Identity, so we can talk about uh, Melvin who just recently passed away and all that he brought to to black cinema. But Mario knows that world, right? So he knows, mm-hmm. like, the low-budget stuff. And this definitely did feel like a low-budget run-and-gun movie where there maybe weren't a whole lot of takes. The set dressing wasn't super polished at any given time. Um, the acting in general really wasn't all that good to me. I don't know if you thought so. I think Chris Rock did a great job for the most part, except for when he had to really overemote during those <laughs> right. scenes, but I mean, the rest yeah, he, of it was good.
1: Yeah, he was fine.
0: Ice T was good. Yeah, and, and Wesley Snipes. Wesley Snipes was good. Yeah. The rest, I could leave. And that includes Bill Nunn, who, you know, we thought gave one of the best performances of the year in regarding Henry. Right. Now, I mean, here he, is he, Bill Nunn was just kind man. of.
1: Yeah. I mean, uh, he was kind of just like Nino, one of his sidekicks. That Yeah, he was, was like just, a muscle. Yeah, the muscle guy.
0: Who was given a stutter to give him a little bit more character, I guess. Right. But.
1: I mean, that was he he. That was fine. I don't know,
0: but. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, everyone else, not so much. I'm afraid. It was just
1: kind of yeah. I mean, what I said before, just very uh, soap opery. Like yeah. everyone was trying, like, really hard to be uh, too serious.
0: Yeah, I. I or.
1: <laughs> or I don't know.
0: Yeah, or they didn't have. I don't know. It something was off about it. Um, Actually, I'll take it back. I'll I'll say that Bill Cobbs was also really good. Who played quote the old man? man. Yeah,
1: Yeah, Um, yeah. I mean, I'm not saying I don't know
0: but he didn't he had a like the scenes.
1: i think the judd nelson thing was making me laugh because like he, i was like why is he even there like they just needed the white guy to be like is this a black thing like he just said that I like every so. half yeah. hour
0: yeah i really think the judd nelson's character was really just there to instigate and to to add, annoy his add drama to <laughs> yeah. scenes that did not need right because basically all he did was yeah, make slightly racial comments towards Ice T's character, right, uh, and then like make him upset, and then they tussle or whatever. You know, start to get confrontational. I'm like, okay, why are like what are you actually contributing?
1: You know, like what is to, this? Besides, besides like your goatee? Besides trying to look, that's why I was like, and was, looking like an undercover cop. Well, because I was like, did he? Okay, uh, I don't know if you know, you know, man cow.
0: Yeah, he looks I'm, like Man Cow. <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> That's what I was like,
1: oh, is he trying to look like Man Cow, or is Man Cow trying to look like Judd Nelson in this movie? <laughs>
0: why, why would either of them want to look like either I don't know. It was
1: like the spiky hair, the goatee, the sunglasses all the time. Yeah. I, trying to be cool.
0: I don't... I, yeah, it, it's tough to really say. I mean, this is sort of where Judd Nelson's... Um, descent into direct-to-video movies starts even though this obviously was not direct-to-video this was a major financial success in terms of budget it made like 50 million dollars close to and is the 25th best performing movie um of 1991 um but you know judd nelson he is known for brat pack stuff right like he's an mtv silver bucket award winner for the Mm -hmm. breakfast club you know he's in st almost fire he was in the transformers movie um but he also had razzies for blue city and from the hip um and from here i think i don't know if this was a turning point for him or or audiences towards him with that goatee or something but yeah he like pretty much most of what he had done after this besides appearing in the sitcom suddenly susan right was direct to video action movies mm-hmm. or sci-fi stuff so I don't know. Maybe it's just like a, it's tough to say. Um, but yeah, I, I felt like he really did not provide anything other than, you know, I guess he was supposed to be like, yeah, speaking for the white man in a sense. Yeah. But obviously all of his stuff was like vaguely racist or even possibly directly racist <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> at any given time. And he didn't do anything productive until he breaks into that safe who anybody could have done.
1: I mean yeah and then he sort of helps Ice Tea Ice character out at the very end. Yeah,
0: when there's the big shootout at the end, then there's a there's a thing. Then he's And helped.
1: he sort of explains why he got into this to Scotty. Right. Yeah. He was yeah. like I used to
0: be He's like, Yeah you in know, this world. But white people can be drug addicts too in a sense. Not only black people do <laughs> drugs, but white
1: people do yeah. and then it's like I was one of them and I was like okay. I used
0: to be I used to be like Pookie, yeah.
1: <laughs> I was just like, Okay, why do we need this story? Again, like it's it's but... <laughs> just like
0: slapped together attempts at character development. Yeah. You know, it doesn't actually work, but it's it's there to try to give the illusion that there might be some. Um, but everything is just so quick and to the point. It's, it's just somewhat lifeless in a way. Um, <laughs> and you need, like, the I, big I character think, like, like mostly Wesley Snipes his... to save that.
1: Mostly, like, I was just kind of like, like, why, why is he there just in... Uh, that was the only... Uh...
0: Yeah, just so Ice T isn't talking to himself. Yeah, I, guess. I mean
1: that was the only um, like role where I'm like, why is this person even there? I don't know.
0: Yeah, <laughs> things that are at issue, you know, just in terms of the plot, like it really confused me that they had Pookie in there. He had the belt camera and the wire. Yeah, he th- was talking to high ups. He was talking to G Money, who we have not mentioned like at all. Uh, G Money
1: is like you know Brown, man yeah, you know Nino Brown. Right
0: hand man. Uh, the guy who brought the idea of Crack Rock to him. Um, played by Alan Payne, who is in CB4 with Chris Rock. Mm-hmm. Jason's Lyric. A couple episodes of The Cosby Show back in the day. And a ton of episodes of House of Pain.
1: I think it's still... It's still going. Yeah. yeah, it's still
0: going, which is that... incredible. Um, he's
1: that's, how, that's Tyler Perry. I mean,
0: Yeah. <laughs> Honestly, like in a weird way, I think Mario Van Peebles reminds me of Tyler Perry. Um,
1: like a pre-Tyler Perry.
0: Yeah, in a sense, because I mean, again, like the production is very. Run like he and can gone. just
1: whip out stuff every couple of. Well, I don't think months. he's that prolific. <laughs> but I'm just
0: I, yeah, I'm not really saying in terms of that, but just in terms of you know.
1: Like over the top. I I, I get it. Like if you were watching Tyler Perry movies, it's just. The usual like cliche things right, that yeah. happen in, I don't know these movies.
0: Yeah, you know, there's. I mean, I have not seen a lot of Maribon people's work, right? So I can't really speak to his whole library of of movies. But just seeing this and seeing, you know, the the relatively cliche aspects of it, the um, the unpolished production design aspect of it. It just felt like it was put together pretty quickly. I don't know how true that was, but that's the vibe I got from it. So, you know, being able to produce something at a low budget that really also at the same time is boosting the people around you, right? Like, so he's bringing in a lot of his friends and his family and he's bringing in a lot of, you know, um, he's, he's doing good for the culture, mm-hmm. right? Right. And then he's also inserting himself into it as well, right? Yeah. So he's playing Stone, he's directing it, right. he's putting together this thing that's, you know, celebrating blackness, African American culture, uh, in a sense, even though it's a world about drugs, like it's right. Still he's bringing meant to be an it to attention story overall. Or, yeah. you know, he's, he's bringing the social issues, and he's doing all this stuff, and you know, so I get that type of vibe from him um, that I would like a Tyler Perry. Right. Hopefully that made sense. Uh, where was I with the G money well, thing? <laughs> yeah, we got
1: the. I mean, G money, who we haven't talked about yet, who's Wesley or Nino Brown's right hand man. But then we also have like his other. I mean, we talked about Bill Mont, Bill Nunn already, and then I mean another character I like. I mean, she she was probably just a little over the top. Was you know the Vanessa Williams character Keisha, Keisha. but she she was just kind of like the uh, the assassin.
0: Yeah, she was like the, yeah, the female muscle. She was, um, I, I, they didn't really say where she came from or how she related to them. She was just right. always there.
1: Yeah, but she would, like, she was kind of like a ride-or-die person for Nino and G-Money. Like, she would literally die for these guys, and it's like, she's very loyal to them.
0: Right, and, and did. Yeah. Yeah, um, which, again, going back to sort of the low-budget. Yeah, but we don't
1: see the, uh, like, why they're all, like... I mean, we know that Nino Brown and G-Money, they were, um, like, they grew up together. They were childhood friends. hmm But these other people that, you know, like, the Doda man and her. And then even how he met his girlfriend, Nino, like, Michael Michelle, who, Selena. Right. Because I was like, because she seems like she doesn't want to be a part of that world at all.
0: Yeah. And, but, like, did she bring in Kareem? Played by Christopher Williams, because like the opening scene, like she has her arms around him. I thought they were so together for a second. She was
1: a part of bringing in these people to help Nino. I don't know, but she also I don't fully remember. But... <laughs> I, th- I felt as if she didn't even want to be a part of this entire gang and drug world at all.
0: Yeah, she didn't have an active hand in it. She was just there because she evidently loved Nino. And Nino was like, the world is mine. I'm going to take whatever I yeah, want. Yeah, and she was thing. like, I, and I love so- you.
1: And maybe they, they were like high school sweethearts and they've been together for like 20 years. I have no idea. <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah, we, we don't know. Um <laughs> Oh, I remember what I was saying before. Oh, okay. Sorry about the, the G money stuff. It, um, talking about the the plot not making sense. I mean, we sort of. I mean, yeah, we're going we're
1: going there with these characters, I guess. Yeah,
0: uh, so like I was saying, like Pookie had the camera on, and he was like talking to, like G money, and he was talking to Kareem, um, on camera, and mm-hmm. he was in the drug room where yeah. they were like putting the drugs into various different bags, and you have like all the the topless people they're you know not trusted
1: yeah not, to steal and they're all women so it's like all these women who are topless but they yeah. wear like smocks or whatever right like these kind of hospital gowny looking things because which we've you know, seen in other drug movies yeah before, because you sense, know actually, but yeah the drug kingpins they don't trust anyone so you know they don't want them you know pocketing anything so they got to be basically naked right but my but pookie's the only one that's not Naked in that
0: room. Right. Yeah, which is weird in and of itself. That's why I was Um, like, why
1: is he the only one in that room? Like, uh, especially since he used to be a drug addict. Right. And he's in there with full-on clothes. Yeah, they they trust him when
0: they shouldn't, obviously. They don't, you know, they have this big... They could have taken
1: his... Because he's uh, he's wired under there and everything. Mm -hmm. And they don't even check him? Like, for...
0: No, I know. Like, an
1: operation that's, like, so clad tight or whatever
0: yeah
1: Iron clad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's why that's when they show him in that room i'm like why is he wearing clothes and he's totally wired they don't like pat him down and do like a full-on check like every time he goes in there yeah
0: that, that if they're definitely like should be so happening.
1: about security and stuff
0: that should definitely be happening but beyond that they, they trust have... him
1: that much for him to be in that room.
0: Right, yeah, but separate from that. Yeah. That, that was <laughs> another
1: thing of mine. <laughs> I don't <Sure>.
0: know. <laughs> what, I'm, what I'm trying to get at okay. is, is that they have all this footage of the actual drug operation and people who are in charge of it, and then the police are saying, no, we can't do jack shit, we don't have anything on Nino specifically, so we can't do anything. Even though
1: he has actual... As if they couldn't... Like, Women stuffing bags, yeah, with drugs. even though they have like you know, video
0: of the actual operation and how it works and where it is, and they know key people involved. Who cares if you don't have Nino specifically?
1: So, they need to show Nino actively, right? They're
0: like, We need evidence of Nino like being involved in these deals or murdering somebody himself, you know, like all this stuff that's. Th- and, like, but the why rest of those they, people are, like, throwaways. Yeah, like, why, why did can't, they throwaways? Like, like, <laughs>
1: why can't they just arrest those people to get to Nino? Yeah, they
0: could clearly shut down the entire operation based off of what they have. But the movie yeah, makes yeah. the logical step of saying, oh, if we don't have anything on Nino, then we can't do anything on anybody else.
1: Mm-hmm. Like,
0: that's bullshit. <laughs> and, like, the same thing happens in the courtroom, too, where, like, Nino is, like, after he is arrested. Yeah. They like, I wasn't the lead man. Kareem was the lead man. And then everyone's like, oh shit, oh fuck, okay, well goddammit, I guess we gotta get rid of Nino now. Like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah, oh, our case it. against Nino is shit now because he just said Kareem was the man and maybe he's telling the truth. It's like, come on. There's like these massive leaps in logic that don't actually make sense that kind of. Yeah, ruin like the, these a bit.
1: loopholes with. I, I get it.
0: Yeah. So at least there is some action right so at least you know like you have that chasing at the beginning you have the bomb mm-hmm. you have the shootout at the thing because like you know basically when pookie pookie starts using again yeah and he goes because little he's nuts Surround.
1: In, yeah he goes nuts in that one room
0: and he starts dancing around and his cover gets blown
1: uh, yeah and they g money goes in he's like why are you acting like this are you using again he's right. like are you high and he's like yeah you're you're high and then right but then he yeah then he strips he takes, strips, yeah, he he takes, takes his down clothes
0: down. he's yeah. like let me see and then
1: he sees that he has pookie has a
0: wire they're like oh shit we're blown and then that's when the cops rush in and that's when they set the building on fire to destroy everything, yeah, their evidence, yeah, and, and like remove the discs that are put in the safe. <laughs> the floppy discs Nick Moretta, made me laugh. Yes, the I floppy don't... discs. The Nick Peretti finds in the safe later on, but with like the the minimal, you know, guard dog diversion. Uh, there's there's a lot that yeah.
1: I mean, this is like face-off
0: level. I don't know. Face, uh, no, I think face-off. Like had over better, the top,
1: face-off level.
0: This is like double intensity. Impact, okay, double <laughs> impact level of like structure. Uh, yeah, <laughs> like I guess. Sense, and sensical, uh plot. Um, but yeah, I mean, and then you also have the wedding shootout, which again I think speaks to the low budget side of things. Because yeah, you like got in this big the open air wedding. area. You have a bunch of gunshots. But it's like one table of shit that gets shot up.
1: The, the right? way that they showed that, I was like, uh, all these people, all, cause you know, it's like, they have a little girl. This is like, I was like that. It's like girl. a massive
0: wedding that everybody's gone except for Nino and his crew for some reason. Yeah. But then there's Even like this little girl there. She was like one of the, involved uh. Involved in the wedding?
1: Yeah. So, I was like, who's the wedding? Like a friend of theirs?
0: I, yeah. I don't know.
1: And then Nino just hosted it.
0: Yeah, it was at Nino's property. Yeah. But, yeah, anyway, so, like, people who are posing as workers for the wedding. Uh, well, we
1: didn't even get to the whole part with, because like Nino has sort of a deal with, like, the yeah, Italian mob. the Italian
0: mob that's involved. There's a shootout with them where they all die really poorly. <laughs> yeah, know? the way they like, died you... made me laugh, which so I, think I don't it's know. Like...
1: The, the acting, the... The death acting. I think was they over knew the it was tub. going to be
0: shot in slow motion, so they're like, showing yeah, their in convulsing. slow motion. <laughs> their bodies also, are convulsing yes. in like a
1: slow motion way.
0: Yeah, exactly. So they were like probably moving in slow motion, but it was, <laughs> it was also funny. shot in <laughs> slow motion, so it looks equally like slow and goofy. Yes. So then,
1: like to retaliate, the Italian mob you they have these guys who like are undercover for the was like the catering guys
0: Yeah. for this wedding
1: and like how come they didn't shoot them you had this whole wedding and then it was like the end of the wedding where all of a sudden the catering guys are putting their stuff in and then they like take these guns out in slow motion and everyone you see this whole like everyone sees this in slow motion
0: yeah um yeah, uh, actually, I have that in my notes. It's reversed. The wedding happened first, and then the drive-by on Don oh. Armateo's Ar gang was after the Italian gang. Okay, as uh, retaliation. But like, everyone's such a really bad shot because like all those all That's, those guys are just standing there. Like to the all, truck, those stationary yeah, in all those people should no have yeah all those people
1: should have died, and then only one person died, On which either, was on both sides. Vanessa Williams, yeah, yeah Williams's
0: character Keisha uh, but like, said, she runs out in the middle of the steps. They're
1: actively shooting it. Because at this point, because Pookie died in that blast, I guess. Or <laughs> yeah, the well, bomb doesn't go the, off. B- the bomb yeah, doesn't go off, he's, he's but Pookie dead. dies. Yeah,
0: he's dead. I don't know if he was dead before the bomb was placed on him or if he died in the fire or something yeah. or what, but so, he's dead.
1: I mean, Pookie dies, so then Ice-T now is the informant. So he becomes, like, buddy-buddy with Nino Mm
0: -hmm.
1: to get to be a part of his gang so they can still get Nino to arrest him.
0: Yeah, he and Judd Nelson somehow get in touch with G-Money through the Italian mob to work out some sort of a side deal or something. And I I really didn't fully understand what the hell was going on, but, like, basically, like, Ice-T was going to be, like, the supplier of the drugs, it sounded like. Mm. And, like, Uh, he was going to buy and then so now he's like hanging out with the gang yeah now all of a sudden he's he's like like
1: becoming bff with nino brown so he's at ice tea everything happened so fast at the wedding
0: yeah everything
1: because i was like all of this is happening so fast but i'm like this is probably a span of like what five years or a couple years
0: yeah i mean they say 1989 they don't give a date after that so probably all 89 i don't know
1: all of that cannot happen in one year. Or like all this, stuff. I don't know.
0: There's but, there's so much that goes on here.
1: But then, yeah, they're shooting at Ice T, his character, and there's like five guys, and none of them are actually hitting him. And then Ice T is like carrying this little girl. And I was like, oh my god, is he using that little girl as a
0: shield? No, Nino no, did.
1: Uh, oh, Nino did. Yeah, Nino definitely
0: used the kid as a shield. To I was like, oh I my god. And then drops her, and then that's when, yeah, Ice-T comes and rescues her, because there was a a dead dude. Um,
1: yeah.
0: I think it might have been the Reverend. Did the Reverend get it? The Reverend was played by uh, Nick Ashford, by the way. Reverend Oates of Ashford and Simpson fame. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of musical people in this. Movie. Yeah, you
1: got Keith Sweat, who was the singer at Keith the Sweat wedding. Keith Sweat was the singer. And I was like, this is like, I was like, oh, this is uh like to have him as the entertainment for that wedding. I was like, oh wow. Yeah, I don't know like, if he was what, playing it himself Keith or Sweat not. Sweat as Keith Sweat. <laughs> <laughs> I, don't, I
0: don't fully know, honestly, uh but they have like Fab Five Freddy, they have Flavor Flav in there, they've Keith yeah. Sweat uh they have eka mouse which i'm not really familiar with but he is also he's like a reggae artist um, mm. or was he's passed uh he was he was the guy who uh was in the uh carter apartments that was dragged out naked oh okay so yeah that guy that's that's eka mouse uh teddy riley makes a brief appearance lavert is in there obviously Ice T. Uh, Christopher Williams, who played Kareem, is also a musical artist. He did "I'm Dreaming," um, yeah, yeah, "Promises, Promises," and stuff like that. So, um, a lot of musical people in this. Uh, boy, yeah, this the plot is just something else. Here's what I'll say, though. I mean, the social commentary is there when it needs to be and it doesn't really beat you over the head either like obviously at the beginning you have like the radio report that talks about some of this stuff um you have the old man character bill Cobbs who sort of acts as you know the voice of reason to a degree as well um i think honestly just seeing that scene of iced T looking at the other side of the fence through a teacher who's doing like the just say no program yeah. with that the group of kids in the park i think that's a nice little soul commentary as well mm-hmm. um the previous scene with the reverend, uh, when he is, I don't know where they are. It looks like a, a club or something that's, you know, it just some random sort of empty business building. Um, and there's like a group of kids who are there to basically buy drugs mm-hmm. and also the reverend. And then the old man, Bill Cobbs comes in and reprimands. him. and like, what are you doing As this figure in our community, you know, Consorting with this devil and, and why why are you Nino doing this to your people why are you killing your own people I mean there's enough of those types of scenes in there that you know I think the the overall messaging is good and strong and I wish the rest of the movie was as strong as that to kind of yeah. elevate it all and I think that's where Boys in the Hood I think shines and I think that's where Juice also shines um, to have two relatively close movies in the timeline Um, as a comparison point. I don't think it glorifies the gangster mentality, though. And I think that's probably pretty important to also mention, because a lot of movies do.
1: Like, glamorizing. I mean, there is a part where Nino is in a room, and they're watching Scarface. like You know how people are obsessed with Scarface, and I feel... That's, like, glamorizing the drug kingpin.
0: Yeah, there's, yes, there's a lot of idolization of yeah. Scarface mm-hmm. and of, yeah, gangster culture to begin with. And Nino obviously falls into that trap. G-Money falls in that trap. You know, all these other people do. But I don't think the movie does. I don't yeah, think the movie glamorizes not, it in any sort of way. Yeah, they're
1: not glamorizing this at all. Like, it's not cool, I guess, right. to be a drug kingpin
0: yeah it shows how destructive it can be it shows how there's no way you know you can really truly trust anybody in your life um but i think the one thing that it does say as part of its social commentary is near the end when the court stuff happens it basically says the court system is not fully reliable to actually take on this stuff you know the police are not fully reliable to take on this stuff you have that scene with the old man in the police station where he's talking to the police officer and the police officer is just walking away as he's mm. trying to tell him about all this stuff that is ravaging his community. Yeah. And he's getting pissed off about it. But that's real life. And I think that's good, you know, subtle commentary of. Um, so, in that way, it almost. That's the only way you could possibly say glamorizes it by saying, like, yeah, it's actually pretty easy for a lot of these people to get away with it because the system is kind of broken.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: But other than that. And I also think, yeah, just the fact that Wesley Snipes is basically just a pure villain. <laughs> this whole yeah. time uh, obviously some people will idolize that type of thing but um, I don't again I don't think the movie does which is a very important distinction
1: at the end you know you have that courtroom scene or even the part where Scotty Appleton actually um, arrests Nino in that yeah, the big fight and that whole chase and the fight where he confronts him about you know you're the reason my mother died but then they go straight into like that courtroom where the judge um gives him a year nino
0: right well yeah i mean not technically a year but like he could be out in a year probation yeah
1: yeah and then you know you see nino confronting scotty saying i'll see i'm gonna see you again Right. Kind of, like, threatening him. Like, once I'm out, I'm coming after you. Right. But, I mean, spoiler alert, <laughs> the old man <laughs> comes out of nowhere and shoots nino in the chest but then that's like the end of the movie because then nino just slumps over and then you see all these people's reactions like in slow motion everyone's yeah, like he falls
0: off the he falls off the railing and down down these down a few these, floors yeah these steps so like and down, then you see all these people
1: the reacting in slow motion yeah
0: and, that's and, and then that's that the end is. that's where the message of like there are nino browns all over the country comes yeah up. let's go over some of this other casting credit stuff that we haven't talked about if you don't mind Uh, Mario Van Peebles is the director, Uh, did not write this, but um, he was the Spirit nomination nominee for uh, Best Feature, uh, Best Director, Best Writer for How to Get the Man's Foot Out of Your Ass a couple years back, I think, you know, about a decade ago. Uh, He has an Image Award win as an actor for Heartbreak Ridge. Uh, He was also in the 1991 movie A Triumph of the Heart, the Ricky Bell story, playing Ricky Bell. Uh, as a director, he's done *Posse*, *Panther*, *Love Kills*, um, also *Bad Ass*, who is basically like a basically the story of his father and mm. some of his movies. Um, he's also directed episodes of *21 uh, Jump Street*, the original uh, *Gabriel's Fire*, *Law and Order*, *Empire*, *Wu Tang*, and *American Saga*. Um, Thomas Lee Wright is one of the co-writers. He is an Oscar nominee for Best Short Documentary, uh, 2017's Edith and Eddie, uh, which is about a, one of the oldest interracial couples, I guess, in, in the country at that time. I don't know exactly the full story, but um, uh, it won or it won a nomination. Um, Barry Michael Cooper is the writer of Sugar Hill, Above the Rim, uh, She's Gotta Have It TV, series episodes, and he also wrote the article uh, for Spin Magazine uh, that inspired uh, him to write this movie. I think you're going to talk about that more in a bit. Uh, Wesley Snipes as Nino, Spirit nomination for The Water Dance, an Image Award win for America's Dream. Um, He's also nominated for The Player from 2015, uh, and also Dolomite is My Name which is sort of like the start of his comeback in a sense, I guess. Uh, he's also an MTV nominee, MTV award nominee, for Best On-Screen Duo and Best Kiss for White Men Can't Jump. Okay. <laughs> Both with uh, Woody Harrelson. Um, I didn't remember that they kissed in that movie. Did not they? Evidently they did. In some I form or fashion. I barely remember that movie that besides the them
1: playing basketball.
0: <laughs> yeah, I saw it when it first came out on video. I remember liking it. I remember also being kind of confused because it was woody harrelson in the movie that wasn't fully fully funny yeah um, <laughs> but uh he was also he also has a best villain nomination uh and best uh for a demolition man and best fight nominee for blade okay um i know him more from i knew him from major league for this william ace hayes mm-hmm. like that's pretty much how i knew him um and we'll see him again in, in Jungle Fever, the uh, 1991 movie. We also have Ice T that we talked about. Um, again, one of the the many musical people in this movie. He's in other movies like 3,000 Miles to Graceland, Leprechaun 5, In the Hood, Johnny Mnemonic, and Tink Girl, Breaking and Breaking Two. He's in both of those. Bet you didn't know that. Uh, and then also. He's like
1: one of the performers, probably. Like one. He's of one,
0: Yeah, he's one of the performers in one of them, and I don't remember what he was in the other one. He might have just been like in the background or something. Um, 1991 movie Ricochet, he will also appear in. He's a Grammy Award winner for Black on the Block, which is a, a rap group, you know, like a mega mm-hmm. like group thing. And he's also nominated for We're All in the Same Gang, which also deals with a lot of these, you know, yeah. anti-drug messaging thing. Uh, and then also he was nominated for Best Rap Solo Song at the Grammys for New Jack Hustler and Nino Steam. Um, but he lost to LL Cool J with kay. Mama Said Knock You Out,
1: huh. okay.
0: which kind of makes sense. Um, I think he's probably also well known for uh, Law & SVU playing a yeah. cop there mm. as well. <laughs> um, he, he was an Image Award winner for both that and also his work on uh, New York Undercover um, and I think he's also well-known for the controversy with his group Body Count and the song Cop Killer, Mm -hmm. and then he became a cop on movies and TV. Chris Rock we talked about a little bit, right? I think we covered that. If you don't know who Chris Rock is, then sorry. Uh, Michael Michelle as Selena. We didn't really talk about her character all that much, uh, but she does play a, a decent role in this. Uh, she has an image nomination for Homicide Life on the Street. She was also Cleo Finch in ER uh, which is something that I don't know because that was after my time of watching it Uh, she was also in New York undercover uh, and also a syndicated I think syndicated show called Dangerous Curves Um, she's also uh, someone who had filed a sexual harassment lawsuit against Eddie Murphy back in the day uh, after being cast in Harlem Nights and then fired when she declined his advances Mm. If you don't see her in Harlem Nights, that's why. Um, and then the rest of this stuff we pretty much covered. We'll talk about Vanessa Williams as Keisha, not the one that most people probably know. So not the the singer the slash singer. actress slash beauty contest award winner. Uh, this is a different Vanessa Williams. This is her feature debut. She was also in Melrose Place. Yes,
1: in the first She's season.
0: In Candyman. Yes. Where and... she got a Fangoria nomination. And she's in the new Candyman. And she's going to be, yeah, she's in the new Candyman. Uh, Murder One, she's in the Soul Food TV show, whereas the other Vanessa Williams is in the Soul Food movie. (laughs) (laughs) Um, She also has uh, Image Award wins and nominations for Days of Our Lives, where she did 94 episodes. Uh, Also Soul Food, I think she got an Image win for that. I could be wrong. Um, And also a Daytime Emmy nomination for Our America. So that's that's about it. We didn't really talk about Uniqua or anybody no, else. We no, we
1: didn't. I mean, Uniqua was.
0: She was like um,
1: G Money's girlfriend, sort of. Like, yeah, I don't know, but you know, she sort of seduces, you know, Brown, and he starts a relationship with her but that's that, that, pretty pretty much
0: it that yeah that, that leads to the weirdest arc in my opinion is when g money starts using crack like that happens pretty much after the whole thing with the uniqua yeah he felt really unmotivated he's like oh man i'm so depressed about this girl that but or, or the he relationship was sort with of Eno. like
1: eh, about her like the entire time
0: he was jealous that he couldn't have what he wanted and mm-hmm. then at the end he's basically like I don't like that you said that the world is mine, everything is mine. I thought we were in this together type of a thing. Yeah, and then. So he saw that as a betrayal, not so much because of the girl, but just because of the circumstances. Mm. Um, but yeah, Uniqua was played by Tracy Camilla Jones, who's been in uh, She's Got a Habit, um, and also like the Wild King, a uh, Wild Thing video, the Tone Look song. The last person I want to mention really quickly is uh, Thalmas Rasulala, who played the police commissioner, who gave uh mario van Peebles and russell Wong the assignment of this right um he passed away in october 1991 this is his last movie but he is also you know he was well ingrained into the uh the african-american cinema and tv culture uh in such movies as blackula cool breeze willie dynamite bucktown he was in roots what's happening uh all that kind of stuff and so i'm sure he was family friends with the Van Peebles because of being in that world, and so this was his last movie. In terms of awards for the movie itself, uh, we talked about the Image Awards quite a bit through going through the cast. The movie got a nomination for the Outstanding Motion Picture, but it lost to Boys in the Hood. And then in 1993, the next year, which is weird, Wesley Snipes was nominated for the Best Actor. So. In 1992's award show, it was nominated for Best Picture. And then in 1993, Wesley Snipes was nominated for Best Actor for this role. Um, MTV Movie Awards also had a couple mentions in here. Uh, nomination for Best Breakthrough Performance for Ice-T. But that went to Eddie Furlong for T2. Also Best Movie Villain for Wesley Snipes. But he lost. Do you remember who who got that award? I
1: mean, is it Arnold Schwarzenegger? Or? No. We I'm talked just...
0: about this in our very first episode. Rebecca De Mornay. Okay. Oh, <laughs> <one okay>. for <laughs> And It Rocks the Cradle, a 1992 wow. movie. Uh, and then also best movie song, I Want to Sex You Up. Okay. Which I don't know why that's eligible. It, I don't think, that wasn't created for this movie. It was just featured briefly in it. I mean,
1: that broke out, like Color Me Bad. Yeah. I mean, that really put Color Me Bad up on the that es- yeah that okay. escalated their uh, fame I guess but I mean I, I think I said this before how I want to do like a whole call band thing <laughs> yeah. cause like they uh, that was I think that the album that came out their first album came out that same year that had that song on it so it was I mean I was going to talk about it later but I guess I'll talk about it now it was just the impact of this soundtrack mmm how it became, like, so huge right when it was released. And it was released released in March, like, yeah, March the movie, 9th. Yeah, the I movie
0: mean, released in March 8th to general audiences yeah, across the country. and then,
1: you know, the album was released right then. And it became, like, platinum, like, immediately because of all this. I mean, the, the soundtrack is really good. And it's just, like, the introduction. You got, like, you know, the New Jack Swing era... And it's, like, you, you're mixing, like, hip-hop to New Jack Swing. and Even though, like, New Jack Swing, this is, like, 1991 is, like, the peak of it. And then it kind of goes down after sure. 91. I think it, like, ends in 93 or something. <laughs> but, yeah, the music on... I mean, this album did really well. And then I think because of that, Color Me Bad, their first album was released the same year so then that out their album did really well and then i thought it was funny because um well we didn't even say like the gang is called the cash money brothers like cmb gang
0: they don't really make much mention of it really
1: yeah not really but then i i color me bad is cmb and then the title of their first album is cmb and i Mm. thought that was interesting Anyway, um, Brian Williams won that MTV
0: award. Uh, And then also, lastly, it was also, apparently, you know how we've had, like, you know, when we talk about Doc Hollywood, like, the best performance by a pet montage uh, in the MTV awards where we don't know who won, if anybody, or, you know, it's like something that they use like a commercial bumper. Evidently, there was a best performance by rock stars, fake nominees, and quotes montage thing that this movie is also featured in as part of that, too. So maybe it's Ice-T or something again. I don't know. So we go on to true crime and pop culture.
1: Yeah, so this movie was... Since we're talking about how this movie was released in January 17th... Mm -hmm. At Sundance. At Sundance. I am not going to talk about movies or music. I already did about the soundtrack. But Terror Within was released January 18th. So everything TV and music wise is going to be the same. So I just delved into, I know at the end of the movie, not the beginning, it says that this movie is fictional, but in reality, (laughs) I guess the writer Barry Michael Cooper, he took the storyline and it was loosely based off of a Harlem drug kingpin by the name of Nicky Barnes and then a Detroit gang known as the Chamber Brothers and then Nicky Barnes he was uh, he was like a kingpin from the late 70s early 80s and he formed this gang called the council and then also that you know the the uh, apartment building they use, called the Carter in the yeah. movie, it was really known as the Broadmoor. So it's similar. In Detroit, yeah. Yeah, in Detroit. So this is like similar where Nikki Barnes, he led this gang called the Council where it was like a drug trafficking ring and he was in partnership with the Italian-American mafia and he was arrested in 1977. He had life imprisonment but he eventually became a federal informant that led to the collapse of the council so it's kind of like using like the pookie thing sort of and then Barnes lived under the US Marshal Service Witness Protection Program until his death in 2012. But there was a a book that was released about Nikki Barnes that came out in 2007 called Mr. Untouchable. And then I guess they did a documentary about him with the same name, Mr. Untouchable. I haven't seen that documentary. No. But there are other movies that based their characters on Nikki Barnes. And one of them was in the movie Carlito's Way, Rise to Power where Sean Diddy Combs played a similar character. Okay. Also, in the movie American Gangster, I didn't see this. The one with Denzel, yeah. Mm -hmm. So the Cuba Gooding Jr. character was based off of him as well. But it doesn't say, you know, uh, Wesley Snipes.
0: Okay. Yeah, I mean, maybe, I don't know. Maybe because...
1: This is like a loose...
0: Maybe it is, yeah. More loose. Yeah. Maybe a little more direct.
1: Yeah, those are... I haven't seen either of those movies, so I can't really compare. And then the Chambers brothers, they were a crime organization that was heavily involved in the distribution of crack in Detroit during the 80s. And they were three brothers. They also had three sisters that helped them out and one of them was like a set of twins to be and one of them became like a top notch military drill sergeant later on and then they eventually moved to Memphis Tennessee while the brothers became notorious when the Detroit police department confiscated videotapes of the brothers counting their laundry baskets full of money and flaunting their excessive wealth and that Caused them to be arrested uh-huh. in the 80s. So, yeah, New Jack City, you know, both those stories kind of combine yeah. in this movie. And then I also read, like, maybe a weekish so ago, so like in November of 2021, that Barry Michael Cooper is working on like a sequel, prequel to this movie. And He wants to call it Am I My Brother's Keeper? and explains it delves into Nino's childhood. So explores where he grew up and why he overcame what he became and like the larger issue of what he said in the courtroom Mm -hmm. stuff like that. That's and then like maybe that's coming out soon. I don't and then there was like a tweet that Barry Michael Cooper tweeted in November, so like a week ago, as of us recording he said, the diary of Nino Brown, the monster Reagan created. It's going to be a prequel, sequel, work in progress soon, God willing. That's what he said. Hmm. Interesting. So maybe sometime soon. Yeah. And then um, there was also like a, I sort of read, like I skimmed through it but it was like an interview that cooper did where he it was like an article that he did in the 80s about because he grew up in harlem so he wrote like a a feature i guess for the village voice in the 80s and it's called kids killing kids new jack city eats its young and that's also like serves as the foundation for this movie and i was i it's online and i'll give it to you so we can put on the
0: website and i kind of
1: skimmed it because it was kind of long but i was like oh this is kind of interesting
0: yeah then i guess we move on to rankings and ratings then yep so on your one to five star scale where would you put new jack city
1: Uh, i mean i was like going back and forth but i think i'm gonna give this a three
0: yeah, on my, uh, I'm sort of in the same boat as you. Uh, on my zero to four star scale, I, I think I'm probably going to say it's a three star as well. And honestly, part of that is just historical significance. And, yeah. it's, you know, the, the fact that it opened the door for a lot of future movies mm. and projects yeah. and things like that. So, um, yeah, it gets a little bit of a bump from that. Uh, every movie is worth watching once. Would you watch it again?
1: Yeah, i watch this again.
0: Yeah, I would watch it again, too. I, I mean, uh, yeah, it doesn't make sense most of the time, <laughs> but it's still... Yeah.
1: I mean, that's why I was saying, like, it's kind of like face-off, where it's just like, I don't know what the hell's going on, but I like it type of thing. Yeah,
0: <laughs> yeah. It's, it's not a mindless action movie. Yeah. There's not tons and tons of action in there, and it definitely has a mind behind it. But it's still a popcorn movie yeah you know i think honestly just wesley snipes's performance carries a lot of it he is so charismatically evil Mm -hmm. in this movie that he's fascinating to watch um and then it's then you have like judd nelson on the other end of the spectrum (laughs) (laughs) sorry judd but it's true um so yeah it's worth watching if you out there want to watch New Jack City, as of this recording in December 2021, it's available on digital rental, VHS, or DVD. As always, check your local listings. You can listen to us on all of your major podcasting platforms. Please remember to rate, review, subscribe, and tell your friends. You can email us at 1991movierewind at gmail.com. Of course, you can follow us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and Letterboxd. Just search 1991 Movie rewind, or go to 1991movierewind.com for the full list of movies, along with show notes and more. Next week... We're continuing the New Year theme and also kind of the the crime theme with Murder in New Hampshire, the Pamela Smart story, so we can compare how a white woman's trial goes against Nino Brown's trial, perhaps. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll talk about that next week as available on Tubi, IMDb TV, Roku Channel, Digital Rental, VHS, DVD. We will see you then. Thanks.